one, two, three. All right, welcome back. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Inside the Mind's Eye. We have got a extremely awesome guest today. Um, he's a friend of mine who I met on the Zooms, on the internets, and uh, I reached out to him to come on the show because from the first moment I met this dude, it was like a kick in the ass with the energy. Dude, straight up. You know, if you're looking for condensed inspiration and motivation in the form of human, Freddie is your guy to go to. Like, straight up. Like, just listening to the amount of gusto and the bravado and just the just the sheer determination in this dude to, to, to get to, to just get get it to happen you know it's it's awe-inspiring so that's you know I'm gonna drop us in in that conversation in just a minute it is it was the shit and, and you'll hear in the conversation you know there was a couple points where I ended up you know kind of asking him and relating to him about some of the things I've struggled with you know and, and it's it's just a really it's it was a real pleasure to have this conversation with Freddie um, yeah, he, he runs his own company. He's he used to he'll tell you this on the show, but he used to eat out of garbage cans on the reg. You know, he was a bit of a dumpster diver, you know, as I have been in the past, as I have been, especially at working at restaurants, like straight up <laughs> when I was working as a server back in my day, you know, back in the days of the shenanigans when I didn't have, you know, money to eat and all the money I made went to, you know, clandestine activities. Yeah, I would. I would eat. All, I'd eat off plates. I, I'd see. I'd see. I'd see stuff that people it looked like they didn't touch, or maybe they just touched a little bit of it. Yeah, I would. I would nibble. You know, those those shrimps aren't going to eat themselves. You know, and and if somebody doesn't eat all the shrimps, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of recycling, right? Well, I'm learning to be a fan of recycling, and there's no better recycling than just just uh, just finishing off the food that others didn't eat. But anyway. Yeah, the um, yeah this sh- this this episode was great, and uh, and I really enjoyed this conversation with Freddie. And you know, I could I feel like you know once again I feel like maybe there's something I could report about, maybe there's something I could talk about. Not really feeling it, you know, like um, stuff is still going up on the website. Oh, housekeeping. Let's talk about housekeeping. So last week I created a Patreon account which is a way that you can support the show. And if you like what you hear, you know, if you like the essays that we're publishing, if you like the content that's showing up, I am a 32-year-old man-child, and I would appreciate any and all patrons. So uh, there'll be a link to that in the, in the show notes here if you want to go check it out. There's sweet rewards. We got coffee mugs. We got, there's going to be a T-shirt. We got stickers. All inside the Mind's Eye branded apparel. You can't get it anywhere else. You can only get it from being a patron through the Patreon account. Uh, and, and, like, and like always, there's going to be more essays, more meditations, more podcasts. Just And, and everything's always going to be free. So don't feel bad if you can't you know, throw a squirrel to this, to this man-child over here, this, this guy who's, who's, uh, who's, fe- who's, feeding, who's been vegan and vegetarian for two weeks because I can't afford meat product. No, I'm just kidding. I can afford. I'm not allowed to have meat right now. Well, if I have meat, I have to pay for it. And I don't have, I don't want to be spending money. I just want to be doing stuff like this with you. So yeah, if, you, if you'd like to go check it out, but everything's always going to be free on the website. www.insidethemindseye.com. You can subscribe there. You'll get everything for free anyway, regardless. So yeah, without further ado, 
let's drop in. This is uh, this is my conversation with Freddie Chagag. He is the CEO. He's a motivational speaker. He's a he he's a he's a he's a recovered <laughs> he's a recover he, recovered knucklehead like myself. And our topics are vast. They're varied, and we dig into the depths of what it means to you know figure out who we are and how to pursue our dreams. And uh, you can find him on Instagram, on his website. It's the Message LLC at the Message LLC. And yeah, let's let's jump in here and let's dive right in. Thank you so much for joining, and I hope you enjoyed this conversation between me and Freddie. This is Frederick. This is <laughs> Inside the Mind's Eye with Frederick Chagot. If it gets done, I can switch to my phone. Okay, yeah, so, I mean, it sounds good right now. Uh, All right. Welcome to the show, dude. I just want to give a quick introduction to how we met each other. Uh, absolutely. We were on uh, Zoom meetings together through the Most High Media. Right. And uh, man, I remember getting on there, dude, and, and meeting you for the first time. And every time you shared, you had so much energy and so much, so much zest for, for, it was like the passion was, uh, translated it was like you could feel it in your gut man and i just wanted to get you on the show dude because i wanted to ask you you know just kind of get your experience and get how you're how you're how you're living today you know and maybe explain a little bit for people that are listening what you do today and and, and uh and how you got into this path um well first of all thank you for having me um it's an absolute blessing to be on the show i think your show is incredible i think your platform is incredible i think this is the difference between recovery in 1950 and recovery in 2020. And these platforms are literally saving lives. And I highly respect what you guys are doing. And I'm thankful to be a part of it. That's number one. Man, yeah. Uh, two, uh, God is good. Um, so everybody asked me, um, you know, Freddie, how'd you go from eating out of a dumpster four years ago? How'd you go from uh, dumpster diving, panhandling, homelessness? And then four years later, you're a national scholar, you're a college graduate with high honors, you have a full ride to finish your bachelor's, uh, you're a published writer, uh, you keynote national events. How did that happen? And the answer to that is God and grind. Um, and what I mean by God and grind is, uh, first of all, I make no bones about it, I'm a Christian. That's what works for me. However, um, I believe that we have a spiritual malady. I'm an addict, personal recovery, been that my whole life. And what I do is I base my life on a foundation of health. Let me explain what that means. And I don't do none of this perfect. We make that very clear. Yeah, neither do I. We're, we're imperfectly expressing. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I get paid to tell people how I'm not perfect. Right? <laughs> yes. um, so what I do is a foundation of health, meaning eat right, work out, read, education. Um, how do I, you know, I, I have to have people in my network that will tell me what I need to hear, not what I want. I also tell people you can't ask a plumber how to be a chef. Right. So I have people in my circle. Um, I want to be a master. So how do I become a master? I study other masters. So I have men in my circle that are good fathers, good husbands. They have degrees because education is my field. Um, I have women in my circle that are married and good wives because I have a wife and she's a good wife. So what better way to learn from a woman who's married with children? Like I've surrounded myself in this bubble of positivity and I use uh, my spirituality. I use Christianity. I use eating right, working out, reading, education. I use all those different things, employment, meetings of all sorts, uh, journaling, meds, therapy. 
all that turns into the fruits of what I told you. Right. So in the beginning, when so like you seem to have a good, like if I'm just thinking of someone listening to this who may like just for me, therapy right. alone was a bridge. I, I took me years to finally right. cross. You right. Know? Me too. Me too. Yeah. So like I'm just I'm wondering like what what about for someone who's who's listening now? Like you know. Did you know this is what you would be doing? You'd be traveling, speaking, sharing your story. Like, did you have any idea that, that your life today would be what it was? No, absolutely not. And that's a very good question. Um, and thank you for bringing that up. Here's the reality. Um, this wasn't the plan at all. The plan was to continue to get one more in me. And at best, if I could get a job, rent a place, uh, have a room. Um, like at one time, my life was if I could play Madden all day, smoke weed and drink 40s, I had made it in life. Like. For me, that was like, I could go to heaven that way, right? Yeah, same here. But my mindset changed when I ate out of a dumpster. See, the pain got so great enough. And like some days I still remember that smell, literally. And I tell everybody when I speak, I haven't taken a day off since that dumpster. And the reason I say that is because it took that. And I've been to 20 rehabs, 20 sites that I can remember, uh, you know, everything in addiction that you're not supposed to do, I've done it, check mark. Um, you know, I, I've dinner was dumpster. Uh, I picked underwear out of a, a true facility. I was in the basement picking out underwear, going through the ones that aren't staying. Like I've had that type of pain that I don't wish on anybody. And that type of pain forced me into living healthy. That type of pain made me go into the path of, well, I didn't do therapy before. Maybe I ought to look at it this time because whatever brought me here, I need to do opposite of that. So if that means I need to take mental health medication, maybe I need to look into that. Like I was willing to try everything that it took because I did not want to experience a dumpster again. Yeah, man, that's that's kind of where I'm at right now, dude. Like I, I hit the space, you know, when COVID hit and it was like all the things I was pursuing, all the things I was trying to do, it was like, nah, not happening, you know? Right. And it was like none of the stuff was really satiating me. Like it wasn't Anyway, so like today, like it, for me, it's like I, I got to be different. I got to do things differently. And if I think I know what the answer is, I'm fucked, dude, because I've never known. Like I've never had the right way. Right. And, and, and I, and I want to say this, too. I, I love your point. Like when I was in the basement of a treatment facility four years ago, no, I had no idea that I'd have a motivational speaking coming. I'd be an honor student. But I want to be clear about this. There's two reasons those things happen. Right. Besides the healthy living, obviously, the network. Like before I had surrounded, and I want to be clear about this, before I had surrounded myself with people that were clean but didn't recover, right? Like I had the theatrics of a program or what's supposed to be a program, like having a home group, working the steps, right? Like, like having all that stuff. But I was doing that, but it wasn't an application. It was more in theatrics so that I could be liked. When I finally realized, and I'll never forget, my mom told me with nine months, Freddie, never tell me about the steps you're living, tell me about the steps you're writing. When, that, when I realized that, that it's about walking it, that it's about putting those things in the application, when I realized that I'm eating healthy, not just so I can look good, not just so I can feel good, but to actually eat healthy so I could have a better life, a better mind, a better body, so that I could be able to travel, I could be able to speak to the kids. Like, that's when I started to change. At first, I thought, like, and I grew up in a home. My mom has 26 years of recovery. She went to detox once for five days. Straight miracle. I grew up in a home where I saw good Christianity. And I saw good recovery. And I understood it because I've been going to meetings since I was in third grade. I'll be 38 this year. So decades of meetings. But what happened was 
I understood that stuff, but I didn't have the wisdom to live it. So as life went on, I was always thought the recovery was a bubble. I thought the best I could do was get a job, maybe rent a little place, and then that was it. I didn't realize that, wait a minute, if I wanted to drink 50 beers, why not get 50 A's in school? If I wanted to be the highest, biggest drug dealer, if I wanted to do the craziest things, why not just turn that and invent something? Like, it doesn't have to be that all life is is this negative drinking cases of beer, mad and smoking weed. I can take that same mindset and use it for positive. And since I've been doing that, doors that I never would have thought open, they open. And I got people in my circle that uplift that and they empower me to do that. So that's powerful dude because i felt the same way man i thought now that i'm sober my life is just going to be sitting around and meetings all day you know and like yeah not hardly not I, hardly i never thought i never realized that but like the amount of the, the the energy and effort i put into getting my substances and getting fucked up all the time like i've always wondered uh, to be quite honest man i a lot of times i just feel different like why am i wired this way why do i feel like i always have to be doing something and making progress and if I'm starting to, I'm starting to realize like I can just own that. Like it's not a bad thing, you know. It's no, not it's, at all. How do you, how do you feel about like? Because I know we're we're, we're kind of taught to be present and be humble and be aware right. of the moment and happiness is within. How do you reconcile your natural ambition? So I, 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 this is a great question. One I think they should talk about more. This is what I, I learned about myself. I have no problem in any setting raising my hand talking about how bad life was, how bad I messed up. I have no problem going on Instagram or any of the things and talking about what life was, what like this. So then why can't I talk about the things I want to be? Why can't I talk about my goals? Why can't I talk about that? For some reason in our society, nobody gets mad at you for talking about what you don't have. They get mad at you for talking about what you do got. You can't win. So if you talk about the things that you're doing and talk about the present, then you look at it as unhumble. No, I'm allowed to be humble, but still be proud and still be happy with where I'm trying to go in my life. Give an example. My first conference was at St. Joe's University. I got, a, uh, car, I got a full scholarship there to go to this conference. And I'm there and I'm sitting around all these people. And every conference I go to, I'm the lowest degree in the room. Because usually at these things, they want you to have certain masters, certain doctorate, and these people are published and book writers and all that. But I'm here based on my skill set and what I'm talking about. It can't be a degree. it got to be a life experience. So when I'm in these rooms, people are talking about publications that are in books and all that. And I remember leaving the room, calling my mom, saying, these people are so unhumble. They talk about all these books they're in, places they spoke. Ah, is this what it is? I thought it was humble being in recovery. And my mom said, Freddie. Why don't you stop complaining and step their game up? Why don't you, instead of looking at them about what they're doing wrong, why don't you pick their brains so you can get where they're at? If this is the route you've chosen, that is what you're going to need to be doing. So instead of complaining, instead of whining, why don't you stop judging them and learn how they got to where they got? And what that did for me was it helped me to start seeing things in a different prism. Like, yes, I, I was born in a situation where we're, I was taught that if you don't have your PhD, it's not good enough. But what I've learned is for me to set my own standards, that way nobody else's standards is higher than mine. So no matter what anybody else thinks, I'm always trying because I always got my own standards. So that's how I look at it. So how do you how do you deal with the inner critic? You know, the part of you that's like wants to be perfect and wants to hyperanalyze and critique. Do you encounter that often? Um, the way I look at it is like this. I'd rather relapse doing too much than relapse being lazy. I've just accepted that I have a brain. I'll give you an example. I got high off my asthma inhaler at nine. That was the first thing I abused. Oh, wait, say that again? 
the first thing I ever got high off of in my life was my asthma inhaler at nine. My mom gave me my asthma inhaler. It was Benalin and Vanceril. I took it. I hit it. It was like the first hit of crack. I was like, oh, my God. This is the best feeling I ever had. That tells me that I never had a chance at being average. And what I say average is when the first time I ever ate pepperoni, I ate so much I threw up. First time I ever had a blow up, I uh, first time I ever had a blow pop, I took that money, went and bought a case of blow pops, ate so many, I broke out. Uh, when I got sober for two years, I ate so much cholesterol, I made so much ice cream, my cholesterol shot up. My, my wife tells me to turn the stove on at 350, I turn it on at 400. Uh, first, the first time I ever had cologne, uh, I liked it so much, I broke out, I have steroid cream upstairs. Like the reality of it is, I just have a brain that does more. I never asked for this brain. This is just what I've been given. So I've just accepted that this is what it is. I'll give you an example how I've turned it for good. So you've heard about the negative, but here's how I turned it for good. When I have a homework assignment due, please read chapter two. I've read chapter two and three. You know what that does? It makes me more prepared for my class. When my teacher asks me to turn a paper in for four pages, instead of five sources, I give her 10. Guess what? No teacher ever complains about more sources. See, I've used, I've used what was meant for bad, and I've turned it good. So I don't believe that it has to be one or the other. I can believe you can just tweak it. Man, that's so... So, you know, my, my career path is the same as yours, man. I'm just my, I'm using my voice, you know, I'm just right, making right. my art and I still am struggling with this, 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 how be like, I don't want to be too extra or like too much. It's almost like I'm telling myself, like, you should pace yourself. I'm like trying to, con I'm trying to control dude. And it's like, when really I just want to be expressing and keep right. going and like do extra all the time. So a lot of people don't notice. The, the actual founder of Coca-Cola was one of us. Buzz Aldrin, one of the first people ever walk on the moon, was one of us. Kate Spade, Robin Williams, Anthony Bourdain, all one of us. And I can name countless others. Those people didn't do it average. I just personally don't believe if you're going to be a generational, transfigural person. And that's what I think we should all strive to be. To, to be whatever we're, the talent we're given, I think we should all strive to use that talent to change the world and make it better. That's my opinion. I don't think that could be done if I went to work Monday through Friday, nine to five, cut my grass on Saturday and went to church on Sunday. That's just not who I was meant to be. I, I just don't believe that. If I can use drugs and drink and do things that most people die from doing, then I have to, in my opinion, accept that when I turn positive, that's probably going to look like an astronaut. That's probably going to look like a scientist. That's probably going to look like something extraordinary. And the world just has to deal with that because I believe that my higher power gave me a brain that's so different that I'm meant to be here, not for average. I'm meant to be here to create something to help other people. Man, that's fucking powerful, dude. Like, and that's the thing too, a lot of us forget and especially some, anybody listening, but like, if you're listening, you've made it, dude. Like you fucking made it. Absolutely. Like, here. You know, Absolutely. And it is true. We've, we've, we put some stuff and we've been through some shit to the, like the fact that we're here is a miracle, right? Like, Absolutely. Most people do not shoot bundles of dope in their neck, snort bags and bags of chemicals, shoot bags of dope in their neck, drink fifths of liquors, drive and live life and survive. <laughs> that's not that normally don't happen no it doesn't dude and that's the thing like what we're talking about is the inverse of that if once right. once somebody get, gets all that stuff out of their system it's like you can go hard in life like you don't have to you can take it and turn it into whatever you want it to be right now by god's grace and mercy this is my life 
I have a full-time motivational speaking company where I travel the country and I do virtual and I write. I get paid to blog every month by God's grace and mercy. I have just finished my uh, associate's degree at Delaware County Community College. I graduated with a 3.71 high honors degree. I got a full ride to my bachelor's. I will be starting my bachelor's next month while I have 15 credits, I'm in an honors program. On top of that, I work two days a week as a waiter. Um, and then on top of that, I have a family man and I'm a husband. I volunteer, I do therapy and I take meds. Like, welcome to life. Yeah. Because here's the opposite of that. I drink 40s all day, smoke weed and play Madden from dynasty year one to dynasty 50. So, I mean, I, I, like it is what it is. Yeah, man. I, I used to, I would just play Dark Souls and pass out and just go back to work the next morning. It was just miserable, dude. Right. So this was this was three and a half, four years ago when, when four you years ago. Four years ago? Yeah, four years ago I was when I was eating out of the dumpster. Can you can you can you describe a little bit what it was like for you in the beginning? At the beginning of my sobriety, right? Yeah. Okay. So let me make this very clear. Because I got raised in sobriety, I had an idea what this looks like. And that gave me wisdom beyond my years. So when I came into rooms, you couldn't just say anything to me. You couldn't fool me because I understood there was a certain way it's supposed to look and how you walk and how you help people, right? When I got into treatment this time, I, I, I started a prayer group. God put it in me, started a prayer group. So I started with three people. By the time we left, I had 34 people. By the time I left treatment, my mind was made up that I was done. It was now about putting the pieces of my life back together. So. When I first entered the, the rooms, it was rough. Um, I, 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 I picked miserably my first three people to mentor me. Like, it was bad. But the good in that was it helped me to form my life because it made me search for different ways to stay sober and it made me search for different things. So I remember in the beginning, one of the things I was doing every day, and I don't care, and I tell people all the time, I don't care what you believe in, but get something because human beings are going to fail you. So. I was heavy on my Bible. I was heavy on my church participation. I was heavy on my network of people that had what I wanted. Like in my network, I have the lowest degree. I have the lowest life experience. I did that for a reason because who better to learn from the people that already walked it. Um, I set myself also the things I listened to. I didn't listen to the same type of music. Now I love rap, but I started listening to more jazz. I started listening to more positive gospel, things that were more uplifting. Because um, I'm a firm believer, garbage in, garbage out, positive in, positive out. Um, I started reading different books. So what I did was I said, let me read a book about finance. The next month, let me read a book about science. Like, I, I started writing down my hours of my days, looking to see how many hours I was wasting. I, I, started, I started chasing this thing as if I had cancer. Like, I started realizing that I have a disease, and the way you defeat an illness is by certain medications. Well, with cancer, they use chemo. But with us, I have to use journaling, medication, therapy. I, I just started changing the, the things I did in my life. And by the time I looked up, I graduated. Mm. Man, dude. Yeah, for me, it was, uh, I didn't, I, I, it's, I just had, like you said, I, 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 I mentally made a decision. I was done. And when I was done, I was done. And I, the only thing I knew was I'd never done all the steps. I've been around the same as you. I've been taught it, introduced to it, been to a few rehabs, sober livings, but I'd never actually done the shit. And so, like, I just, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm not going back. Um, I'm going forward now. And, and everyone's saying, you know, they're doing these things, and I've never done them. Like, maybe, maybe my way out is by doing what others. I'm like, so, I'm so, like, 
I can be so stubborn, you know? Yeah, me too. Man, and so that's what it was for me, man. It was just like falling forward. I just had a, I had a, I had a goal, which was to sponsor someone and like really take someone through the steps. I wanted to try to, I don't want to, I wanted to know what that felt like, you know, I wanted Absolutely. to felt like to help someone the way I was helped. And, you know, and then it just kind of happened. Um, yeah, it just kind of happened for me. Yeah, I know. I totally understand. I mentor people. Um, and one of the things I do is I tell them, I need you to write down every hour you wake up. And they say, why? I say, because I need you to see how much time you're wasting. Um, I'm thinking <laughs> about that. Um, also, the other thing about mentoring people, it keeps my integrity high. Because how can I tell people or give advice about things to do that are healthy if I'm not living it? Um, I'm a firm believer in integrity because I speak for a living. So I can't go in front of a, 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 a audience of children and say, eat right, do this, do that, do that. And then when I leave, I'm a scumbag. You can't have it both ways. Um, so yeah, I agree about the mentoring thing very much. So, so what happened to me though, was like about three or four months in, mm -hmm. I realized I was alive and I could literally do anything I wanted. Like I had to like pursue my dreams. And it was like, my thing was like, I want to get on stage I've never been on stage. I've always loved music. I've wanted to perform. I was terrified. I was like, I'm scared as shit to get on stage. I'm going to do, I'm going to do this. I'm sober. There's no reason not to life can be whatever. And then after facing that fear, I became almost addicted to just facing all my different fears. You know, whether it was getting on stage, publishing an essay, vulnerable essay on the internet, starting a podcast, getting on a video, starting a company, all these things I was scared to do, dude. Like, I'm gonna go to this tech conference, I'm gonna present my idea, you know, I'm, I'm gonna start a company. You know, like I was, I, I, I remember I felt so alone and so isolated from my recovery community because I was, sharing i was sharing what i was doing and i, I felt like it wasn't mm. you know i felt like i was so different but i was like come mm. on we're here now why can't we go actually out there and mm. take what we're learning in here you know man do i relate and one thing i've learned is hurt people hurt people right and, and i've learned that like you know because at the times we're in i'm gonna use this name let's take dr king for example right uh now i i'm older and grown i learned that it wasn't all white folks that didn't want him to do what he was doing. Now that I'm grown, I realized there was hate from within our own culture that wanted him to stop. I know there was churches that told him he needed to stop. And what I've learned is to be great, to change, to make, you know, to make things different in the world, you got to get a thick skin because we're trained and adapted that if you don't do it like this, it doesn't look right. But one thing my mom told me early, the only way to heaven is through Jesus. So I, it doesn't matter who likes me because I'm on my own path. And I had to learn, bless them, change me. I had to learn when they throw mud, I throw fruit. And that wasn't easy, right? Like, and then I heard a rapper say, if you ain't getting hated on yet, you ain't popping. Like, that's what it is. And, and I've had to come to grips with, that's just a reality of life. That, that once you start, you get your grit. Once you're given what your gift is, once you, you, it starts coming out of you, ain't no stopping it, man. And, 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 and I'll say, too, to that, I got raised in this. So all I knew was this is how recovery should look. But then I realized, wait a minute. That's cult mentality. Mm. That everything has to look like this. And maybe that's why treatment centers are failing. Because the reality of it is they're saying right now, one out of 10 heroin addicts are making it. And what I'm saying to that is we need to change the whole treatment system. 
because if that was an odds for a cancer, for a chemo, if that was an odds for dialysis, they would throw that medication off the market. Why are we not changing? Mm. And, and the reality of it is, is that I think there are so many people that are being held back because they're scared to take that next step because they think that they do it different, that they're going to be shunned, they're going to be rejected, they're not going to matter. When in reality of it is, we don't need another Freddie. We don't need another Inside the Mind's Eye podcast. We need another something else. We need everybody to play their lane. We need everybody to be who they are because every brain was put on this earth to be different. There's a reason there's a doctor. There's a reason there's a lawyer. There's a reason there's a janitor. There's a reason that there's firemen and nurses because all of our brains are different and they have different skill sets. And if we're not embracing that, we're not really teaching inclusivity. We're not really teaching diversity. We're, we're, we're just being just like the world. The only difference is we're not getting high. And I don't want that. Man, dude. Oh my god, dude! So like, I'm really, in, I'm really into Bruce Lee. And yeah, Bruce, I'm a, I'm a fan. He's a beast. You ever see the nunchucks with the, with the, with the uh, ping pong and all that? Bro, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> and it's, it's crazy because he, he says the same shit, and it's like, it's all about like, he's, he says, and this is the kind of the meditation I've been pondering on. But like, the point of life itself is to actualize, is to really right. realize our potential. Right. That like if you set yourself up for your goals and your ideas of, of your potential and you aim at those and you work at those, success is from the, at the act of self-expression. It's from the act of realizing our potential. No one can take that from us. And, I, and like, like I said with, you know, Jesus, I'm, I was raised Jewish, you know, and right. Right. I don't know what my, you know, my higher power. I'm just now learning how to, I'm just now beginning to start to have a relationship with something of my misunderstanding because I'm right. not sure what it is yet but I can feel it, you know, and I, you know, I've been sober since 2013 and, and I never, I never figured out the higher power thing for myself until this year is it's like, I finally feel like something's starting to work. Right. But, but that's the thing is like, you know, I, I do need to develop a tougher skin. And if it's between me and my higher power, that's all I really need. Right. Like that's it's it. you and your guy, you know, that's it. And, and let me, let me get a little bit deeper here. Uh, because I'm thinking about this, and I said this in, in, in lot. I said this on another podcast. So, what is the difference when somebody comes into a setting and we tell them you have to get clean and sober like this? What is the difference between that and what Hitler and what Bin Laden were teaching, and what Stalin was teaching? Because let's let's be real here. They all taught one way thinking. Everything should look like this. Every, it should be a world order like this. Everything should be like this. And obviously there are consequences where like if you don't, then you know what it is. My point to that is that same line of one-way thinking is poison. And it's the same line of one-way thinking that we use in rooms if we're not teaching diversity. It's the same concept. It's just it ain't coming from those names. But at the end of the day, it's the same type of hierarchy system. Because when you do something different, then you're looked at weird. But I tell you what, look at it like now. We're entering a time frame where there's going to be bathrooms that are going to be three. Man, woman, and transgender. What are we going to do when somebody sits in a room and says, Hi, my name is Jazz. I've been sober for four years, but I've also been smoking weed and I'm transgender, what are we going to do? We're not going to accept them. We're not going to say they don't matter. We're not going to say they don't count because they don't look like what we think they should look like. Because the reality of it is, look around at the world. Things are changing. In California right now, in schools, I know this because I speak, 
They are allowing kids at five years old, when they come in school, certain parts of California, you are allowed to pick if you're man or woman, regardless of what your physical orientation looks like. They're allowing you to choose mentally. You don't think that we're going to get some of them kids in the rooms? Of course. Then what? Need to start thinking. Well, that's, but that's the thing is like the idea is to be like, none of us is the arbiter of anyone's choice of, of behavior, identity, or, or. Agreed. 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 So that's why it's very important that everybody is accepted. I'm not talking about what's on paper. On paper, what's written of how things should be is different than how that's lived out in the climate and in the culture. Right. Yeah. I mean, it had me thinking about just, you know, every, when anybody, I've been, I've been guilty of it. When I figure out something. Oh, of course, me too. I'm human. Yeah. When I figure out something that's worked for me, you know, I right. have this expectation that others need to do it too, the way right. I did it, Right. Right. And right. it's and it's it's really tough. Um, it's letting go of that because right. I'm not you, and I'm not right. I'm not my sponsees. I'm not my right. friends. Right. Even and this is the other thing. Like even deeper, dude. Like even deeper is if I if I fundamentally, if I'm if I'm fundamentally willing to accept that I don't know what's best for me, mm-hmm. that I have to give up my will in my life to the care of something of my misunderstanding. That this universe thing, this this consciousness, this call, call it God, call it Jesus, call it whatever you want to, higher power, whatever. If I'm willing to let go and say that the universe knows knows a path for me better than I do, that means I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yet for some reason, I think that I do know what's best for other people. How could I say? If I can't even say what's best for me, how could I say what's best for others? I, I agree. And, and, and let me, and, and, and I was thinking about this, right? So race, let's use racism as an example. So right now, right, the world is going through racism. But yeah, I'm, through I'm it. in Portland right now. It's like day 50 of protests. Okay. All right. So it's real. Okay. Yeah. The reason I believe racism exists is pure ignorance. Because a one person, all they know is their surroundings. So I remember one time, right, I made this crazy statement. I was with my mom. I made this crazy statement. She said, Freddie, how many states have you, how many states are there in the country? I said, 50. She said, how many have you been to? I said, seven. She said, so you haven't even visited over, let's say, 40 states, and you've never been out the country. You haven't even experienced enough life, enough people, enough culture, enough food, a, a different climate to even have an idea of what's best for humanity. You don't. Your walk of life is too small. So the reality of it is the best way for you to learn that is to listen and to read and to study other things. And you know what I've learned? I am the lowest education in every room and every conference I've ever been to in my life. Do you know how much of a blessing that's been? Because I have no choice but to ask. I have no choice but to listen. I have no choice but to be humble. Because they have an experience and a wisdom of life that I've never been to. And I think that that's, that's part of the problem. And I think, like, if we, dealt, if we had an illness to where there was a medication, where there was a physical medication that you could take, we don't even have these conversations. But because it's mental and it deals with our emotions and it deals with behaviors, there's so many ways to treat it. There's so many ways of walk of life that people can get better. And I think instead of shunning, we should all accept and not what's on paper. Again, what's on paper and how it's lived out is two different things. I think we need to accept totally 
that whoever you are, whatever you got to say, that's one of the reasons I like the NEA meeting most high media, because you can literally get on there and say anything and no judgment. Mm. Mm. But again, this is my humble opinion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, dude. Um, yeah, man. What do, what do you think for you then? What, have you been able to answer that question for yourself in regards to racism? Um, yeah, so let me be clear about this. Um, I was beat by the police. Um, I, put, I got drunk. Uh, the girlfriend I was with before her was white, helped her raise her child 10 years and then raise her other children. Uh, I was absolutely terrorist, irresponsible human being, had no business being with nobody, had no business being a parent. Saying all that to say, I got drunk, put my hands on it. The police arrested me. Um, they took me in the elevator and they beat me. Now I want to be clear about when they beat me. They didn't hit me in the face. They hit me in the body. That way it wouldn't show. And I remember being at court telling the judge I got beat up and she didn't believe me. But it took me back to when my mom told me, Freddie, don't ever put your hands on a white girl. I said, what are you talking about? She said, if you put your hands on a white girl, they're going to kill you. What made me mad was that my mom was right. That in 2000 and whatever year it was, the world had not learned from the Holocaust. They had not learned from decades of slavery. They had not learned from civil rights. They had not learned from the way people treat women, how they've been abused and slaughtered over the years. That we are at a point where when I see the police, I got to be nervous. And that's real. And listen, I'm with a white woman who is 51 from the suburbs and my daughter is white and she protested. Let me be very clear. I am a parent of a white child. And I'm telling you, I have never been more nervous in my life. And my circle, let me be clear about this. My circle is 90% white women, right? Who I kiss in the mouth and they call me son. Like it's that deep, not even blood. They just love me and I love them. But even they know. And they said, be careful. And because, and I've heard this said, and I've had a publication. I don't know if you got to read it. I'll send it to you. Yeah. I kept hearing after Obama. Freddie, the world changed. It's not racist anymore. And then I see somebody with their foot on somebody's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds in front of other police officers and people cameras. And here's what's deep. He had 13 complaints. Now, you tell me a job and a career where you can have 13 complaints and still be on file. If I speak bad at one school, my career is over. Mm. America ain't changed. And you know how I know it really ain't changed? And I'm just being honest. I'm not going into political. I, I don't care what you believe about Trump. I just asked you, would you want your daughter to bring that home? If your answer to that is yes, we're just different individuals. My point is, you see what the leadership is. So I'm not surprised. Mm. What do you, so I met with a bunch of the protesters when I first got into town. Right. And it seemed like that the situation on the street had just, it de-evolved into just an us versus them thing. It felt like right. they were they were playing protest, and right. the and the and the and the riot gear police were just playing defense. It was like right. I was like, what are they even doing? Like, you know, like they're they're out there pretending like playing. And so I was like, I'm wondering, what do you think? What do you think this is? There is there a solution? Like, how do we? What do we do? There is a solution. Uh, number one, first solution is oversight, meaning this. Um, what are they teaching in the academies? That's number one. Number two, because when I see a cop officer have his foot on somebody's neck and no other police officer does nothing, that tells me that's a culture, accepted culture. 
Number two, you ever notice they don't pick on the dean of Cornell? You ever notice it's not Obama's neck that they're stepping on? They, they know who to pick. They know who to do that to. They're picking on vulnerable people who they feel they can get away with that. They're not picking on no academic scholarly lawyer putting their foot on his neck because they understand what would come with that. Number three, we need laws because I can't trust humans. We need laws that where if you do this, you get 50 years. People will think about it, right? Like we need things enacted to where that'll happen. The other thing that we need is I'm tired of this country being until the unaffected are affected. Like I'm tired of people want to care once it happens. And I need to be honest about this too. I love these protests. I, I think they're great. America, if you don't like that we're burning stuff down and we're robbing footlockers, then change your <laughs> ways. I don't know what to tell you. But, but, but one thing that I did, I don't need to be clear about, I didn't just start protesting when it was cool for Instagram. Like I, I, I've been rocking with Colin Kaepernick for years. I've been speaking in school by the grace of God. Like I've been donating the Innocent Project. Like I, I'm not doing this for likes. I'm doing this so the next generation will be well. And the reason I want to point that out and say that is because I think we're in a time now of protesting is cool. It's accepted. It's a fad. But the reality of it is that's part of the problem is that we do things when it's convenient. And I think in order for us to change, the senator's son needs to know what it feels like for when his son gets pulled over and a cop might kill him. The president's son needs to understand what it feels like that when he walks into a job, he might not get that job because he was born black. Like it needs to be that everybody understand and there's an empathy and there's a consideration for other people instead of the same white Anglo-Saxon man always being at the head of the table. Example, Wall Street, example, 40 some presidents, one man of color. Like, we need to start changing the optics of these things in order for things to get better. Man, I, I totally agree, dude. I, there was a, you know, when you look at why, when we make the decision to go to war and you look at how many of the senators and, the, and people in power actually have sons, daughters, and family members who, who are in it's the- It's criminal. Middle. Dude, and that's the other thing too that's been really frustrating to me and why I've been so resistant to this whole, this whole movement is because it feels like a fucking fad. It's like all my favorite artists all my favorite people have been representing and have been owning their character, the Kaepernick's in the world. For me, Joey Badass, the artist, the rapper, he's, he's got a song called Temptation where he basically laid it out like years ago. Like this, we've been knowing this was an issue. And so uh, from my perspective, it's super frustrating because I'm sitting here watching it. I'm talking to these kids who are all wearing their masks. They're all dressed up, you know, and it's like they're going to go out there and I'm like, what can you really like what can we really do like on a day-to-day -day basis and my, my mind is always to go inward like i don't know how the fuck we got set up with the system that we're in right now i don't know when i think of america i think of freedom when i think of my america but when i look look at america i'm like i don't know what the fuck that is you know it's so, terrible I don't even know if the, I don't even know if I have any real relationship like a, a, na a national i don't feel like there's a national identity anymore because we don't know what's going on. So I always go inward. Like, so what, what can I do on a day-to-day -day basis, right? Like I gotta own myself, I gotta be in good character, but ain't shit changed, dude. I've been, I've been about equality and like, and like, and that's the other thing too is like, I agree with you totally. And I, and I was thinking about this the other day, there's nothing for really me to say or do. There's only, only to listen and learn. But I feel like that's life in general. 
You know, it's like I can only control what's in my bubble, what's in my sphere of influence. Like, man. Why should I have to tell? I got to tell you how to be nice. Like, I got to tell somebody. I want people to understand this. We're talking about people who have scholarly degrees, years of education, publications, books, speakers, writers, people that make laws. I got to tell y'all how to treat somebody. Like, 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 I'm confused here. We didn't learn after 100 years of slavery. We didn't learn from the Holocaust. We didn't learn from the way we've been treating women for since the beginning of time. What do you mean, like? So that's why, that's why it starts to feel like it's a biological thing in some sense, because like, you know, I don't feel any more woke than any, anyone else who was woke, who, who, fought, who fought the powers that be throughout the course of history. Yeah. Like, Yet these cycles, these things keep happening. I'll be honest, though, if like if I'm looking at the trajectory, it does if, I, if I'm pulling back and I'm really looking at the chronology, it right. does feel like things have gotten progressively better over the years. And, the, and like we're continuing to experience growing pains. But I mean, dude, there's just a limit. Like, how, how do you how do you associate yourself on a day to day basis? Do you have blinders on? Like, how do you keep your mind focused on your. So I, I'm glad you asked me this. It's a great question. My life is not normal. Uh, as far as what the average black man goes through. Give you an example. First of all, I just told you my circle is 90% white. And those women, and they're mostly women, older women. And they hug and love me and kiss me in the mouth in front of their husbands and tell me they love me as their son. It's that deep. Okay. That ain't really normal, right, for, for what the institution. And how I look at it is the institution is racist, but I know everybody in that institution isn't. So what I do is I try to be the example of something different. Give you an example. When I did my first high school assembly, I took my wife. And one of the and a couple of kids walked up and said, Oh, are you here as a teacher? Or you work for your Mr. Freddie? She said, No, I'm his I'm his wife. And they looked at her like, that's how I can make a difference. So that they can see, wait a minute, you can be black and you can be white and you can be together and you can be two sober, good living people. Mm. They might not never see that again. But that's how I make my difference. How do I, how else do I make my difference? Example, my daughter, my wife, that nothing is my wife's 51, I'm 37, right? And so my daughter's like 22. So obviously we deal with people, we didn't hear all kinds of stuff. So how I make my difference is growing up for me, I grew up in a single parent home that was really broken. My home now, two parent, both educated and both sober. I stopped that cycle. I make my difference by doing my part. But I want to say this. I, I, I want to say this. I think a lot of this that I think people are missing, the love of money is the root of evil. And I think people need to really understand. I know it's race, but I also think money is a big part of this. Man, I'm telling you, dude, there's yeah. no reason the police force needs to be as strapped as it is, dude. Let's go deeper than that, right? Like, it, I think people need to understand this. The disparity and poverty in the world is absolutely criminal. It's absolutely criminal. I'll give you a small example. I live 15 minutes away from Kensington. And Kensington and Philadelphia is literally hell on earth. 
The police can drive past and watch somebody shoot dope in their neck, and they'll tell you, have a good day. <laughs> Literally. That happens 10 out of 10 times during the day. I live in an area where if you go outside and you shoot dope on your neck, they'll have you in rehab within an hour. You know what that tells me? We're counting souls. What that tells me is if you have enough money to live in a certain neighborhood, we're going to make sure that you're treated better. Example, where I live at, when the kids get out of school, they have an option of yoga. They have an option of healthy living. They have an option of good fruits, good food. They have resources and access and libraries. Do you know how many kids I know, the school I taught at? They have a laundry system in the school because they know most kids don't have a laundry at home. They have food that they give them to take home because they know most kids ain't going home with food. You see what I'm saying? If you have the right type of money and you live in the right type of area, you get the right type of resources. And it's funny that all the poor people, their areas are corroded with negative, with nasty, with bad health, with bad pollution, with bad food. So I think the money disparity really plays because it seems to be the richer you get, the more access to resources you have. Criminal. Absolutely, dude. There's a, there's a, there's not a, re, there's not a redistribution of, of uh, inf no. uh, infrastructure for, no. And everything's divided by income areas. And then the, the level of care you get is dependent upon your level of income. And it's, and it's fucked up. I, let, me, let me give you an example. I've been seeing a therapist since I was nine years old. My mom's had good health care. Do you know that every time I've seen a therapist, they were always in the suburbs and they were always white? That's absolutely insane. So you mean to tell, and I, and I have a psych history longer than 10 blocks. Trust me, I'd have been in 30 psych units, all right? So you mean to tell me that the good psych doctors are always in the suburbs and are always white? What are we doing, people? Mm. What are we doing? So we don't even check racism at the door of health. Mm. I've been to treatment centers. There's been one black staff member, and he was either a janitor, a pastor, or a tech. I've had one counselor that was black. What is that? Mm. That's not diversity. And they're not sharpening their iron because they're dealing with the same things over and over. It's crazy. Man, dude, that's a lot. Yeah, that's, yeah, man. Uh, I worked in the mental health industry. Uh, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I worked as a tech, but I never worked with any, any black or, well, Asian or ethnic See that's the thing, man. I'll, I'll, I got I, I share this story a lot because because I like what you're saying. Like you, there's nothing you can really do but embody yourself as an example, right? That's it. So I share this story a lot. I went to this tech conference one time, and this and this lady was presenting her. Um, she was basically a venture capitalist worth millions of dollars, but she was a white Asian woman. Right. And uh, this this big black woman stood up and asked her during the conference. She said, "Hey, listen, I want to know. Like, you're coming as a woman and as a as a ethnic, you know, minority. How will you be able to do do this and be successful, given the fact that you're a woman of color, essentially?" And she said, "Never once during my whole career did I did I think that my skin color or my gender was the reason somebody didn't want to work with me." If they didn't want to work with me, I found someone who did and just kept moving forward. And when I heard that from her, I was like, God damn, dude, because like I can get so caught up in the weeds trying to solve the problems of society. And it's just it's it's such a fucking shit show. Like, I, I don't know how. See, I see all these kids out here protesting. I'm like, 
what could you be doing to get yourself in a situation where you can be that doctor or you can be that counselor or you can be that change that you that we want to see right see I, I, I there's two things to that one i didn't protest this time i didn't protest and the reason i didn't protest was because i felt that i could have my path marked in another way and i felt that what i could do could be just as beneficial power for me is in my pen so I had a publication come out, it worked out. But there's, there's something else to that, that I firmly believe that this starts at the law, that these things are made in law. So what I'm telling people is, and what I'm telling kids is this, I, I like to protest and, I, and I, like, I like the anger. Turn that anger into motivation. Go to law school. Right? What do you want to do? You want to be a police officer? Then make sure whatever field of walk you're in that you're changing that field. Don't do it for the check every two weeks. I need you to go into it and change it so that things can be diverse, things can be better. That's the only way we're going to do it, that we ignite change within each individual. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do when I go speak, that I, I tell them, I will not pick up the check if I didn't uplift your student body to have them go out and be the best human being that they're meant to be. Otherwise, it's mundane. Yeah, I mean, that's really what we're doing here. We're, we're speaking to the individual. Yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. This, this, uh, and I like this kind of, I guess, kind of way of looking at things, but life's a single-player game to an extent. Mm. Like we're, I'm with me for the, for the rest of this time here, no matter what. So I got to learn how to be me the best way I can. Because there's always going to be something outward that's going to be trying to bring me down. And, yeah. No, I was going to say, I've had to learn, too. It's not my job to receive the information when I'm giving it. Meaning, like, when I'm in a situation, I'm trying to educate somebody, my job is to give it. How they receive it is between them and God. It's just my job to give it. You can lead a horse to water, you can't make it drink. I had to learn that. It's my job to give, not to receive. And when I get worried about them receiving, then it changes how I'm able to deliver. Right. That's interesting. I, see, once again, back to me, dude. This is inside the mind's eye. And, you know, I am right, my, right. my biggest <laughs> issue. I'm my biggest right. issue, bro. Like, Likewise. Man, I'm always trying to be PC. I'm trying to communicate ways and, and to make it easier digestible. I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to, and then my, my sponsor tells me this all the time. He's like, you're not allowed to think or feel for other people anymore. Yet I find myself trying to be so, like, I, I want it to be able to be digested by everyone. But, but I don't think good art gets created that way. So I learned this early in my speaking career that there are going to be schools and there's going to be a situation where I want to speak there. And my story fits. It's great for them. But they don't like me. And I got two ways I can deal with that. I can either cry, be upset, and be mad, or I can deal with the fact that the speaking engagement I get is the one that God puts me in front of, the one he wants me to have. The ones he don't, keep it moving. The people that don't want me, that's their loss. God got something else for me to do. I had to get with that, and I had to accept that real early. Man, it's, it's about owning your truth, right? And it's, it's in a relation with your higher power, man. Like, I remember I got so, I was so, I guess this is one of the, I guess it's a cool thing on reflection, but I told my story at an NA group and I, and I'd never really been to NA, you know, I, I've, I've been, but like, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm from the, I'm all over fellowships, but I start telling my story 
And I was just like, I was like, I'm going to go ahead and, and tell my story in a way I've never done before. I'm just going to let myself speak. Whatever wants to be said, I'm going to let it be said. Right. And less than five minutes into it, the whole front row gets up and just walks out. Mm. Oh yeah, dude. It was like, mm. I, there was about 50 people in the room. I cleared the whole front row mm. and, and I saw it happening and I'm speaking while it's happening and I'm realizing what's happening. Woo. Woo. You know? Cause I'm getting all woo and shit. I'm talking about, you know, spiritual experiences like Samadhi, God consciousness, all this weird shit. Right. And I was like, damn dude. Um, but the funniest thing, someone came up to me afterwards. They were like, we want you to come on the radio show. They had a radio show and they were in the mm. audience. And so mm. it opened up another door mm. for the right types of people, mm. you know? So and, let me, let me tell a story, right? I yeah. got a story for you. So, you had asked me earlier, and I forgot this. Uh, that's one of the things I love and hate about podcasts, because it's like there be so many stories and there be so much stuff. You know what I mean? You might forget something. That's one of the things I like about this. So when I first started this company, I didn't want to do it because I was scared about my past. I was just scared about so much stuff. So I remember I had the LLC paperwork up. I had my laptop up and everything. It was a Sunday afternoon. I had it up. All I had to do was hit enter and hit submit, and I couldn't do it. My wife says, Freddie, hit enter. I said, what are you talking about? She said, you got here because a career fell on your lap and God has given you a gift. You'll be doing the world a disservice by not accepting that gift and living that gift out. Hit enter and let's go eat. I'll never forget that. And it changed my perception about my walk. That every gift and blessing I've ever gotten, I had to walk through fear. I had to walk through fear. Every speaking engagement I got, I learned something out of it. They were all hard. Everything I've ever done, it came off of me walking right through fear. And because I walked through fear, now I'm traveling the country. True story. Man, dude. I think that's I think that's a great, great, great part to close it up, dude, because I needed to hear that, man. I just yesterday I pressed publish on something and I was like, I don't I didn't I couldn't get myself to do it, but then the voice in my head it was just like, just do it. There's no, if it could be helpful to someone, just fucking do it. I, two quick things, because I, I want to end with these two quick things. Yeah, yeah, please. So everybody's asking me, you know, what's your goal? So here's my goals right now. I just got interviewed to be the national keynote speaker at the Neshe conference. That's the uh, conference for education of the homeless. It's a national conference. It is very hard to get in these type of rooms. I was blessed to even be at the table to be considered. It looks good. I think I'm gonna get it, but I don't know. I'm waiting on the email. Right now as you speak, I'm going through a faith test right now. Yeah. I'll tell you what, everybody keeps asking me what my goals are. Here's my goal right now. I want to graduate from Westchester University with summa cum laude, which is a 4.75 minimal, and I run to graduate Valley Victorian. And everybody keeps saying, Freddie, you know, those goals, that's crazy. Why are you there? And here's what I've learned in life. If my goals aren't scaring me, they're not big enough. Because the reality of it is, is that I know me. When I am not chasing after goals, when I am not going hard for making changes in my life, then I'm getting high. It's that simple. Life has shown me that. There's only two routes for me. I'm not a middle dude. I accept it. I have an extreme brain. Ain't no middle. <laughs> Ain't no middle. Ain't yeah. no middle. It's, it's one of the two things. So what I'm doing right now is from now on, after I've gotten to where I got, I ain't setting low standards no more. I'd rather set impossible goals 
and reach, try to reach those, then it'll be okay with just being here. What is that? Man, dude, that's, I'm, I feel like that's the same. I've been, I've been trying to get into the middle way just so I can, so, you know, I, I, the rapping, the, the shared right. space, the podcasting, I was going hard in the paint for so long, dude, that it just fucking, I couldn't, I couldn't fix me through all the work I was doing. I didn't have a relationship with something beyond me. I didn't have an understanding of my, my inner nature. I didn't know how to access the peace that's within me. So it was all these external things were providing me peace because I felt the same way, dude. I felt like I was running. I was like, if I'm not doing something loud and I'm not doing something to express myself and to take what I've learned and try to help someone else out loud as often as I can, not only have I failed the person I could have helped, but I failed all the people I fucked over in the past. So I haven't really, and man, I, I, I finally got to a place and it was, man, it was weird, dude. It was, I was talking to a friend, my friend of mine just had committed suicide. And, and Sorry to hear that. It's okay. It's, 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 uh, but I was like, I was struggling with it. And I was talking to a friend on the phone and, and my friend was like, what would she say to you right now? Hearing how, how, how you're struggling, you know, what you're going through. Cause it wasn't about her dying that I was struggling with. Right. It was something deeper. And it was like, she would have said, you know, she just wanted me to be happy. Mm. And it was like, after I heard that, it was like the, the, the weight I'd been carrying you know, I've been trying to, I've been trying to cure people I'd never met. I've been trying to save people we'd already lost. I was carrying that subconsciously with all the stuff I was doing. Like I was, I was trying to redeem and it would like, it, it like finally left. So like, I don't know, it, you know, that, that left me, but then, it, but I was still left alone with myself and like relying on myself and, and the depression lasted a little longer. It's only been recent, like this year that I finally developed a, a way to cultivate peace and contentment, regardless of what's going on around me externally, regardless of if I get this sale or if these people want to onboard for shared space or if the, the rapping and people like the rap or not, it's like, I'm finally just like, man, dude, it, it's, I'm trying to, I'm tr where I'm at right now and why I've been enjoying this conversation show so much is because I really want to be able to embody my truth regardless of what it is, you know, mm. out loud. And, 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 you know, in body and truth, what I've learned is um, the higher the level with any type of growth, the more the devil for me. So what I've had to learn is as I embody my truth, I'm cutting the uh, fat off of the beef, right? Meaning like my circle when I start might not be my circle when I end. And that's okay because people in my life for a season, so I like what you're saying because when I started embodying my truth in my walk of life, certain things started getting shaved off. And it was a good lesson because what I've learned is the people I have in my circle now, everything's temporary. I love them. I pray that they stay forever, but they may not because as I keep going, my truth's going to keep changing. My truth's going to keep being different. My truth today won't be my truth at 40. My truth at 40 won't be my truth at 50. It ain't supposed to be if I'm growing. So, yeah. What, what would you say then? Uh, I, I want to, I like to close with this question um, yeah. just to go with what you were saying, but like, give me your perfect day, like perfect day, everything like your, for your career. What are you doing on that day? Like, what is, what does your day look like? Like vision, visualize a, that for us. That's a great, that's a great thing. Uh, wow. If you'd asked me years ago, it'd have been uh, when my 10th Super Bowl man. All right. Um, <laughs> Yeah, 440s, 10th Super Bowl, and a uh, pack of sour. I'd be good. <laughs> um, 
no, and anybody listen, don't do that. It'll kill you. All right. So my, 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 my perfect day would be number one to wake up, um, 5 a.m. and swim or run. In doing so, I'm listening to the news station. Uh, if Peter Jennings was still alive, I'd be listening to Peter Jennings or Katie Kirk, listen to the news. Get dressed, put a suit on, uh, read, um, meditate, uh, kiss, hug, wifey, bye. She come with me. I'd go to some conference. I'd network. I would speak. The speaking would go well. I'd leave. That night, I would go to some dinner. I'm a muzzles guy. I like steak. Uh, on my way to that dinner, I would stop and feed some homeless man or some homeless person and talk to them. Um, and then that night, I would go. I would read some more, write out some stuff. Me and wife, we do devotions. I go to sleep. The reason I say that is a perfect day for me is because I've had that day. And that's a day that I want again and again and again and again. And the reason that's a perfect day is because it's a day I never thought could happen. And once I got a taste of that, I want it again. <laughs> Man, dude, just getting reps, dude. Like, that's what it's about. I want it again. I want it. There's no greater feeling for me than to be at a conference and speaking. And when I walk outside, there's somebody homeless and I stop and pray with him and give him money to make sure that person eats. There's no greater feeling. Man, dude. Is there anything else you want to, is there anything else you want to share or anything? Can, how, can, uh, how can people find you? Like, what? yeah. Uh, so just, just one thing I want to share. Uh, I, I, it, I'm Frederick Chagall. I'm the founder and CEO of The Message, which is a motivational speaking company where I travel the country. I share my story and I speak on mental health and substance use disorder. My company name is The Message LLC. It's www.themessagellc.com. It's all one word. Uh, get at me. I write. I blog. I speak. God has been good. But I want people to know this. I used to think my life got better because I got a better degree, a better car, a better house, a better looking girlfriend. My life got better because I became a better person. If you are new and you're waking up and you won't, don't want to live or you're on your way to treatment or you're just coming from treatment, hear me and hear me well. Don't look back. You're not going that way. Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, that's where I'm at. You can be anything you want. You can do anything you want. Don't let nobody tell you different. And if they do, switch your circle. <laughs> and holler at either of us because we'll be holler down. Holler at either. Yeah, there's nothing you can be. Let nobody tell you what you can do. The greatest stories in the world are created by people that were told they couldn't. And quickly, Anthony Bourdain, Kate Spade, and Robin Williams, all intelligent, all change the careers, all change the fabric of this country, all are legendaries in their field, but they're not here because mental health was in the top priority. So always remember, if that's not the top priority, you will lose this game. Mm. Yeah, and the game will become natural once you get that in order. It becomes, uh, yeah. flows through you. Uh, you'll, you'll, before you know it, you'll be doing whatever you want to do. Man, yeah, so if you're listening and, and you're wondering how to get started or let us know, however we can help, we'll help out. Um, yeah, thanks for joining. Thanks for listening. This has been the shit. Thank you so much for joining the show, dude. Like, yeah, thank um, you for what you're doing. You're saving lives. And um, this will go down. History will shine good on you. What you're doing is phenomenal. Thank you for sharing your truth. And it takes courage to do what you're doing. And I am grateful to say I'm a part. And, and I just, I have a respect and I have a, a, a heart for what you're doing because you're literally saving lives. So salute. Man, thanks, Freddie.
Yeah, I like to roll out with a song, dude. Uh, do you have a you have a request for anything? Um, so I gotta make sure. Uh, um, 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 ah, uh, man, hold on. I'm trying to. Oh, I'm a gangstar person. I like moment of truth. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm a little old. <laughs> Let's run it, dude. Gangstar, moment of truth. Yeah, moment of truth. Um, yeah. Yeah, play the end because I, 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 there might be cussing on there. I don't listen to too much stuff that don't have no type of. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, <laughs> that, dude. I'll run it back and see what it sounds like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's just, let's just go. Let's go with uh, if it's let's go with Gangstar Moment of Truth. Yeah. And yeah. if we find that it's uh, not conducive, uh, <laughs> get over it because we're gonna we're gonna drop it, dude. Yeah, it's the core. It, uh, yeah, the cores, the cores. <laughs> all right let's run it yeah. all right man thank you so much for joining us yeah. Dude. and yeah we're good i'm gonna i'm gonna go ahead and close out the recording all right they say it's lonely at the top in whatever you do you always gotta watch motherfuckers around you nobody's invincible no plan is foolproof we all must meet our moment of truth the same shiesty cats that you hang with And do your thing with could set you up and wet you up Nigga, peep the language, it's universal You play with fire, it may hurt you or burn you Lessons are blessings you should learn through Let's face facts, although MCs lace tracks It doesn't mean behind the scenes there ain't no dirt to trace back That goes for all of us, there ain't nobody to trust It's like sabotage, it's got me ready to bust But I can't jeopardize what I've done up to this point So I'ma get more guys to help me run the whole joint Cultivate, multiply, motivate, or else we'll die you know I'll be the master of the who, what, where, and why See, when you're shining, some chumps will want to dull you Always selfish, jealous punks will want to pull you down Just like some shellfish in a bucket, cause they love it To see your ass squirm like a worm But just as you'll receive what is coming to you Everybody else is gonna get this too I ain't no saint, therefore I cannot dispute That everyone must meet their moment of truth Actions have reactions, don't be quick to judge You may not know the hardships people don't speak of It's best to step back and observe with coot For we all must meet our moment of truth Sometimes you gotta dig deep When problems come near, don't fear Things get severe for everybody, everywhere Why do bad things happen to good people? Seems that life is just a constant war between good and evil The situation that I'm facing is mad amazing To think such problems can arise from minor confrontations Now I'm contemplating in my bedroom pacing Dark clouds over my head, my heart's racing Suicide? Nah, I'm not a foolish guy Don't even feel like drinking or even getting high Cause all that's gonna do really is accelerate the anxieties that I wish I could alleviate But wait, I've been through a whole lot of other shit before So I ought to be able to withstand some more But I'm sweating though, my eyes are turning red And yo, I'm ready to lose my mind But instead I use my mind I put down the knife and take the bullets out my nine My only crime was that I'm too damn kind And now some scandalous motherfuckers wanna take what's mine But they can't take the respect that I've earned in my lifetime And you know they never stop the furious force of my rhymes So like they say, every dog has its day And like they say God works in a mysterious way So I pray, remembering the days of my youth As I prepare to meet my moment of truth Yeah 
Yo, I got one lyric pointed at your head for start. Another one is pointed at your weak ass heart. Now, if I pull the trigger on these fully loaded lines, you're gonna wish I would've pulled a black nine. I'm Mac Dimes, crack the spines of the fake gangsters. Yeah, the biting trifling niggas and the studio pranksters. Yo, looking at the situation plainly, will you remain G or will you be looked upon strangely? I reign as the articulator with the greater data. Revolving on a task and much doper than my last jam. While others struggle to juggle tricky metaphors, I explore more to expose the core. A lot of MCs act stupid to me, and we have yet to see if they can match our longevity. But anyway, it's just another day. Another fake jack I slay with my spectacular rap display. Styles smooth but rugged. You can't push or shove it. You dig it and you dug it, cause like money, you love it. The king of monotone with my own throne. Righteously violent prone. My words bring winds like cyclones. Storming your hideout, blocking out your sunlight. Your image and your business were truly not done right. Throw up your hiala now, divine saviors. You got no hand skills, there's no security to save you. No pager, no selling, no drop top Benzy. I came to bring your phony hip hop to an end. My art of war will leave you sore from the abuse, cause you must meet your moment of truth. They say it's lonely at the top in whatever you do. You always gotta watch motherfuckers around you. No one is untouchable, no man is bulletproof. We all must meet our moment of truth. truth, truth, truth.